Christmas Day. I was staying at a place where many of the houses backed onto a series of waterways and canals. My friends had a boat and we took to the canals to tour the local displays of Christmas lights. It was one of those perfect, clear summer nights here in the Southern Hemisphere. The light displays were bright and colourful and fun, but I found my eyes kept drifting back to the night sky. Our mortal existence is so intrinsically bound to linear time that I think it's fair to say for most of us, the concepts of eternity and the infinite are near impossible to actually fathom. No eye has seen, no mind has imagined. We're bound to the linear cyclic nature of time, sunrise, sunset, live, age, die, summer, autumn, winter, spring. And to try and imagine life outside of this system, to imagine immortality and eternity, it's a, it's a very difficult thing. In a strange way, for me, attempting to comprehend the incomprehensibility of the vastness of our solar system and then the enormity of the galaxy in which our solar system is just a minute speck and then the expanding infinite universe beyond that. In a strange way, the fact that I can't comprehend what that is actually like helps me anchor the concept of an infinite God, a divine being existing outside of time and space. So when I look at the stars and think about the vastness of space, I feel like I'm getting a tiny glimpse at who God is. This struck me powerfully that night, and I wished I didn't have to go back to my home in the city where there's too much light pollution in the, to see the night sky so clearly. I wished I could see God in this way and feel this connection all the time. But then I was struck with a second thought, that just because I couldn't see the stars anymore, it didn't mean that they weren't there. They're always there, whether we see them or not, and so is God. We arrived back at the house and docked the boat, and I leapt ashore, rudely ignoring my friend, trying to speak to me. Just wait, just wait, I have a song, I have to write it down. Because the first verse of this song had arrived in my head. Here's that song. I feel you in the midst 
chased you on that summer sea breeze And even when I close the doors and windows And hide behind these walls Even when I'm in the dark I still know you're there Lord, I love the sound Of a heartbeat in the quiet As I listen still small voice and even when the life I lead barely leaves enough space to breathe I know that if I find the stillness Lord you're there you have always been there you will always be When I'd finished writing this song a week or so later, I was so excited and couldn't wait to share it with someone. So I played it to a friend of mine and I spent ages rambling on trying to explain the background and the story and the concept and the metaphors, much as I've just done here. And after a while, I, I just gave up and just played the song. And her response was something along the lines of, you really didn't need to explain all of that. You could have just played the song. It says everything. Now, I'll be the first to admit that I'm not the world's most concise storyteller and I do take particular delight in tangents and sidebars and mundane details. Um, and maybe the fact that, I, that I'm not the best at translating this tangle in my head into concise, organised sentences is one of the very reasons I do write songs. But I think she hit on an interesting point here. And that is that music has the ability to speak in a way that words alone can't. It almost goes without saying, because it's something that I'm fairly confident we've all experienced. The way that particular song gets your foot tapping or gets you up on your feet dancing. The way a songs can put words around or convey that exact feeling. The way music sparks the imagination, tells stories, paints pictures. The way we're moved to tears or filled with joy or soothed, calmed, motivated, energised, lifted up by music. The way music is able to connect us emotionally, spiritually, physically, intellectually, or put another way, heart, soul, strength and mind. I think this is one of the main reasons why it feels so natural for praise and worship to flow through music when we need to express the inexpressible, to elevate with beauty, and to release what can no longer be contained, we often turn to music. And when we have a God who crafted us into existence, who nurtures us, chose us, knows every hair on our heads, loves us despite our many, many failings, and has done immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine, to quote Paul in Ephesians, how can we respond to that knowledge except with thanks and praise? Of course, this concept is articulated time and time again in the Psalms. 
Psalm 7, I will give thanks to the Lord because of his righteousness. I will sing the praises of the name of the Lord most high. Psalm 13, I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. Psalm 28, praise be to the Lord for he has heard my cry for mercy. Psalm 30, you removed my sackcloth and clothed me with joy that my heart may sing your praises and not be silent. And that's just a few. Again and again, there's this feeling of being so full of joy and gratitude that it just has to spill over into singing and praise. Music is so powerful. And it's, it's also a powerful way that we can connect with each other. Because when we sing together as groups or congregations, we share an experience and we experience harmony and unity in a very literal way. In Ephesians 5, Paul writes, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we can also sing and speak to each other. Brother, sister, let me serve you. Brethren, let us walk together in the bonds of love and peace. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. These are a few lines from hymns that might be familiar to you. Music can also be a tool for learning. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Colossians 3.16 Teach and admonish, two very powerful words. It's certainly an interesting exercise to consider the application of music as a tool for teaching and cautioning in our community. Hymns, as we know them, have been part of Western churches for a long, long time, and Christadelphians are no exception to that tradition. We have our own curated selection of hymns in our hymn book. The art form of, of Western hymn writing is a very structured one. Four-part harmony is the norm, and there are harmonic rules to follow, things you can and can't do. They each have a metre, meaning that the lines in each stanza have a specific number of syllables, much like in the world of poetry. And this lends a certain predictability and accessibility to hymns, which in turn allows them to work really well in the context of congregational singing. In my opinion, it's in this context that traditional hymns are most powerful, and I think there's a beauty in that. That being said, for many people, the musical style of hymns doesn't always exactly align with our, our personal taste in music. And it's pretty far out of our contemporary cultural musical language, making it sometimes really difficult to connect with. A few years ago, I started rewriting the tunes to some, to some hymns. It began uh, with an impulse to simplify and modernise the chords and harmonies and sounds and make them more accessible to my personal taste in music. And it was a quick and fun composition exercise. Um, but I soon became curious as I began to see what effect recontextualizing some of these well-known, well-loved hymns could have. And what I found was that when we remove the words from their structured framework and take them to a place that is a more meditational, more emotionally cohesive, intuitive setting, it can allow us to hear the words differently and perhaps see them in a completely new light even if, or maybe especially if, it's a hymn we've sung a hundred or a thousand times before. 
other hymn tunes I've rewritten because I've stumbled across them and thought, what excellent grand poetry. How come I don't know this one? How come I've never sung this hymn before? And I think occasionally the inherent rigidity of hymns can sometimes dampen the power of the words. This is what I was thinking when I came across this hymn and decided to rewrite the tune. God moves in a mysterious way. God moves in a mysterious way His wonders to perform He plants his footsteps in the sea And rides upon the storm Deep in unfathomable minds of never-failing skill He treasures up his bright designs and he works his sovereign will e fearful saints fresh courage take for the clouds is so much dread they are big with mercy and will break in In blessings down on your head I've called these rewrites Hymns Reimagined. My brother and I are working on recording a collection of these Hymns Reimagined under the title From Age to Age. And it's a nod to acknowledging roots and heritage and tradition and constants in conjunction with honouring change and reflection and fluidity and growth. I wonder if there are other aspects of our traditions and personal lives that could benefit from a similar treatment of recontextualising. A hugely valuable resource in praise and worship are our contemporary composers, people writing music right now. These voices are so important in expressing aspects of spiritual life and praise in a way that is current and relevant to our communities. I believe it's important to make space for these expressions of praise, because when we're able to separate unity from uniformity and individuality, or being yourself, from individualism, every man for himself, we can truly benefit from and celebrate the diversity of the body. I was very blessed to have encouraging mentors when I was just starting out writing songs, and if it weren't for these wonderful people, I'm not sure that any of my music would have seen the light of day. <laughs> because writing music, and in particular praise music, 
It's often a process of bearing the soul. It's a reaction, an emotional response. And sharing that with the world at large can be a very vulnerable thing to do. I think we can all support the artists and musicians in our midst by building and fostering trusting environments, trusting environments that provide opportunity and build up rather than tear down. Of course, this benefits all of us in every area of our spiritual service, because when we build a church culture where we trust each other, where we're no longer looking over our shoulders for fear of judgment and reprimand, then we pave the way for authenticity in our worship and spiritual walk. It's a very, very human thing to do, judging. And it's something that I think we all struggle with to some degree. But it's also something that's taken care of already. God is taking care of it. He's the righteous judge whose grace is sufficient, whose power is made perfect in weakness. He knows us better than we know ourselves and certainly better than we know each other. So when thought of in this way, it seems almost laughable that we're so inclined to undertake a task that we are so very ill-prepared for. We are loved by God and Christ and loved so fiercely that nothing can separate us from that love. As it says in Romans 8, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of Christ Jesus our Lord. And tasked with the directive to follow his steps, to follow the example of Christ, this is the kind of love that we can aspire to have for each other. Making space for authentic worship is part of this process. Because when we can support each other and trust each other spiritually, we can begin the process of letting go of the facade of who we think we should be and own up to who we are and then start moving towards who we are created to be in Christ, God's workmanship, created to do good works, prepared for us by God, Ephesians 2.10. And that person, the person underneath the facade and expectations put on us by both ourselves and by others, that is the person that God knows. And that is the person that God wants to work with and work through. You have searched me. O Lord, and you know me. Psalm 139. It paints a vivid picture of this intimate knowing that God has with each and every one of us. One of the first songs I ever wrote is based around some of the ideas and phrases in this psalm. It's called Wings of Dawn. May you too be held safe in his hand. Sky of the dance of the sea. 
I will praise you, Lord, for you are great. You turn the darkness to light. You search my heart and lead me to the end. If I fly away on the wings of dawn to the sky or the dance of the sea, you will be right there. You will show the way your hand will. So